Welcome to the marvel of mind-body medicine. Over the next hour, you will learn about your own healing superpowers and how to access them. The latest in epigenetics meets ancient wisdom. Your hosts are Dr. Laura Stuve, a molecular biologist who mapped the human genome, and Dr. Janet Galipo, a doctor of Chinese medicine who has traveled the world to ensure all have access to healthcare. These sought-after practitioners and instructors of science-based intuitive medicine want to emphasize your body has answers. So welcome everyone. This is the Marvel of Mind-Body Medicine and I'm Dr. Laura. And I'm Dr. Janet. And today we are very happy to have David Winston back on our show. And you might remember that a couple of weeks ago, he touched on a few subjects related to COVID, COVID risk factors, short-term effects, long-term effects, different treatment approaches. And we really wanted to have him back. We got wonderful feedback from our listeners, and we know that he has a lot more to offer today. So for those of you who aren't familiar uh, with David's work, um, David began in the early uh, 1970s, really his lifelong journey into studying, practicing, teaching and researching uh, plants all over the world, Chinese uh, tradition, Western eclectic tradition, and Southeastern herbal traditions, as well as uh, local. Um, and he's trained so many people, physicians, nurses, naturopaths, veterinarians, nutritionists, in the art and science of clinical herbal medicine since 1980. So he's uh, one of the founding members of the American Herbalist Guild. And I can tell you that it is an amazingly wonderful and prestigious professional herbalist organization, which certifies clinical herbalists. And he's a clinical consultant to hundreds of, of physicians throughout the U.S., Canada, and Europe, and has authored hundreds of articles and a number of books on herbs. So David, welcome. We're so happy to have you today. And I know that we had to squeeze you in today because we wanted you to come next week, but you mentioned that you are going to California to accept a special award. So I just wanted to ask you about that. What is the award? Well, thank you, Dr. Laura and Dr. Janet. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, yeah, so next week I'm going to be awarded the American Herbal Products Association Herbal Insight Award for 2023. And the Herbal Insight Award, most of their awards are industry awards, but this award is for people who have basically focused in on herbal education. And of course, that has been a very big part of my life. And uh, it's rather thrilling, actually, because when I first started studying herbal medicine, virtually no one was interested. So it's really nice that people are interested now and to be acknowledged for it is a real honor. Wonderful. Yeah, I think many people now are becoming more interested in natural solutions to health. So we started talking uh, last time about COVID. Um, we know that, you know, it started um, in, in, in 2020. Um, and Dr. Laura is going to, to talk a little bit um, and ask you a, a question about how um, COVID is being uh, viewed uh, since uh, early 2020. Yeah, so welcome back, David. It's great to have you back. And we want to dive into 
all the different forms of COVID that are now being described by clinicians and in the scientific literature. So obviously we know there's an acute COVID after you just get the virus and you've got flu-like symptoms that are, or no symptoms that are very variable. And then that can turn into something that is now called medium COVID or long COVID. So from your perspective, can you define these different types of COVID? What's the difference between them? What are the different symptoms? Absolutely. So I think at this point, most people, unless they have been holed up in a cave for the last three years, are pretty familiar with COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. And I would say that, you know, interestingly enough, and what we've seen is we've seen a progression of the different, you know, variations of the virus. And initially they were much more virulent and they seem to have uh, reduced in virulence. So the number of people uh, getting it is quite high at this point still. Um, The number of people dying from it, luckily or fortunately, has significantly decreased, although I believe if we look at the latest statistics, there's still about 400 Americans per day that are are dying from COVID, mostly uh, elderly people with a lot of you know, comorbidities. Um, so what we now understand is that people developed COVID. And in the beginning, the, often the symptoms were much more significant. And you had like, for instance, one of the major symptoms uh, of what was called long COVID, which is still called long COVID, was a loss of sense of smell and taste. We don't actually see that as much anymore, all right, interestingly enough. Now, some people still develop that as a symptom, but the symptom picture has actually changed. But what we now understand is that with COVID, it causes a number of effects in the body, even if you have a asymptomatic case of COVID or a virtually asymptomatic case of COVID, there are still underlying issues and underlying problems that may occur. And one of them is systemic inflammation. And so we see with COVID, neuroinflammation, gut inflammation, kidney inflammation, cardiac inflammation, respiratory inflammation, endothelial inflammation. So broad ranging inflammation. And in some people it may be focused in one area, in other people it may be more systemic. And so what they now recognize in the month to three months after a COVID infection, your risk of having a myocardial infarction, a heart attack, a stroke, a pulmonary embolism um, for children, type 1 diabetes, uh, increased risk of developing early onset Alzheimer's goes up dramatically. And this is what's being referred to as medium COVID. And then we have what we've seen now for several years with long COVID, where people have ongoing symptoms in most cases that they didn't have before they had the COVID infection. And this can include, and the list of of symptoms people can develop is massive. I mean, there are so many different things, but probably the most common things, brain fog, impaired memory, Uh, fatigue, chronic fatigue, immune deficiency syndrome, shortness of breath, headaches, insomnia, sleep disturbances, depression, anxiety, uh, gastrointestinal pain, diarrhea, uh, mast cell activation, where you start having lots and lots of allergic symptoms, 
um, erectile dysfunction in men. And again, the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, menstrual problems in women. So there are a whole range of sequelae that follow even, as we said, a almost asymptomatic or possibly even a asymptomatic, if such a thing it totally exists, a COVID infection. And, and one of the things that's happening here, and there's multiple uh, pathways that we now understand that are occurring. One is the systemic or localized inflammation. In addition, we also have uh, T cell activation. And so what we see is a lot of what we'll call viral induced autoimmunity. So you, the body starts attacking self-antigen tissue. We also have coagulopathies with elevated levels of D-dimer, which, what does that mean? It means your blood is thick and viscous, which also explains increased risk of things like pulmonary embolisms and, and things like that. Also, intestinal dysbiosis with translocation of bacteria. So we see a lot more of what in the popular literature is called leaky gut syndrome, which is a loss of intestinal epithelial barrier function, which is absolutely vital. Um, and then there is some research that suggests that having a uh, COVID-19 infection can reactivate latent viruses, things like Epstein-Barr virus and cytomegalovirus and some of the herpes viruses, uh, things like that. So we are talking about a huge amount of issues. And each one of these, if we had way more time, I could go into much more detail. So like, for instance, with the neuroinflammation, you have problems with uh, glial cells in the brain uh, and loss of neuronal activity. I mean, this is huge, which of course explains the brain fog and you know people sitting there going like, I, I literally cannot think. And so this is what is being referred to as long COVID. So medium COVID again is probably the one to three months post COVID infection and long COVID can last. We have cases of people having long COVID. Um, last time I was on with Emmy, she's been experiencing this for several years. So we have people who this has been ongoing for years, two years, three years, four years. We have some people where after eight months, nine months to a year, things start to resolve. But then the other thing that's really difficult here is we have people who they're, they're in, uh, these issues resolve, come back, resolve, come back, meaning just because you're feeling better today doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be feeling better tomorrow. Yeah. So this is something that we have seen too. Just because you're feeling better today doesn't mean that this treatment is going to hold. This seems to be something uh, unique to the COVID recovery process. So let me ask you, how, how does somebody prevent medium COVID from becoming long COVID? I mean, what is, what is kind of behind the, the, the pathology when there is this prolonged recovery from, from COVID? Well, the first thing I would say is I don't know that there's a guarantee that medium COVID will become long COVID. They actually are kind of two different, potentially different issues, although they can. I'm sure somebody with medium COVID can, can become long COVID, but there's people who recover from a COVID infection and don't seem to have any issues with medium COVID and then develop long COVID. So it's not necessarily, one doesn't necessarily follow the other. But what I am telling people to do with my patients is that if you have a COVID infection, 
even a mild COVID infection, we can pretty much assume that this systemic inflammation, the immune activation, you know, the, these, the idea of what are called post-viral syndromes, it occurs with almost all viruses. You can get them with influenza, you can get them with Epstein-Barr virus, you can get them with a range of, uh, in, you know, of, of conditions. But it seems to be way more common with COVID than with any other virus that I've ever seen. The one piece of good news is that a year ago, the estimate was that 20 to 30% of people who had COVID would develop long COVID. And in the intervening year, and this may be because of the different Omicron varieties that we are now dealing with, again, possibly because maybe they're less virulent or we have greater resistance to them for various reasons, because people have either been vaccinated or got had COVID, in some cases, multiple times, the incidence of long COVID seems to be dropping. So it's now more like 10 to 20% of people rather than 20 to 30. So that means it's been reduced by at least about a third. That's great news. But it's not great news for the 10 to 20% of people who are still developing long COVID. So what I am telling my patients to do, number one, is go on an anti-inflammatory diet. And many people have heard about the anti-inflammatory diet. So what we're looking at is the foundations of health. What are the foundations of health? Herbs, for the most part, for instance, I don't see as foundational unless we're talking about herbs that you're using as part of your diet, like spices. So the foundations of health are a good, healthy diet. And of course, there's lots of opinions about what that is. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, adequate and good quality sleep. You, you know, no, no matter what you have, if you're not getting good quality sleep and adequate amount of sleep, it's unlikely you're going to recover. So whether you're talking about Lyme disease, whether you are talking about, you know, chronic fatigue, immune deficiency syndrome, fibromyalgia, et cetera, et cetera, sleep is essential. And so, you know, it's not one of those things you can say, well, uh, Warren Zevon, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, had a song and then said he'd sleep when he's dead. Well, that probably get you there quicker in the sense of being dead. So adequate sleep, um, healthy lifestyle choices. So obviously, if you are a smoker, if you are drinking excessive alcohol, uh, there's a whole range of things we can choose to do, some which are very healthy and some which are incredibly unhealthy, stress reduction techniques, and of course, things like exercise. So these are, in my mind, the, the foundations of health. So we focus in on those things. So what am I saying? Take care of yourself. Take good care of yourself. The anti-inflammatory diet is a diet that is primarily plant-based, but be aware that there's lots of plant-based stuff out there. Like, for instance, a lot of people are, for instance, have issues with gluten. So they're on a gluten-free diet. But I have to tell you, the majority of stuff in the store that's gluten-free is junk food. It's simply gluten-free junk food. So we're talking about eating real food. Lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, whole grains, legumes, things of this nature, uh, healthy nuts and seeds, uh, healthy oils. Um, I'm not pushing a vegetarian or vegan diet, but if you're going to eat meat, then I highly recommend it be organically raised or wild. Uh, the same thing is true, in my opinion, for dairy. Uh, if you're going to eat fish, uh, remember, the smaller the fish, the better, and you want it from as deep in the ocean as possible, because your large fish are unfortunately off cases. Uh, there was just a report that came out, and I think it was like something like uh, five out of six brands of tuna they tested had unacceptable levels of mercury. 
Uh, mercury is neurotoxic, among other things. So we want to encourage people to eat this anti-inflammatory diet and basically an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And then let's not forget that when we are eating, one of the things you want to add to your diet are spices. Spices are herbs. Now, one of the spices I would recommend, if you think people think of as spice, that I wouldn't want you to increase is salt. The average American consumes two to three times more salt than uh, is recommended. And one of the things with salt, and by the way, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's Celtic sea salt, or it's, it's you know, Tibetan red pink salt, or it's Martian green salt. It's salt. Yes, they have a little high, a little bit more minerals in them and everything, but it's basically salt. And one of the things excessive salt levels do, not only do they cause vasoconstriction and raise blood pressure um, and potentially cause edema and things like that, but studies have shown that high levels of salt increase the production of what are called Th17T lymphocytes. Without Th17T lymphocytes, there's no autoimmune disease. This is essential in the process of autoimmune disease. So with COVID, long COVID, we have immune activation. Again, it's very much like a viral induced autoimmunity. So high levels of salt are not a good idea, but high levels in your food, cooking with it, not to the point where it's inedible, but using regularly in your diet, whether it is garlic, whether it is ginger, rosemary, sage, basil, thyme, oregano, saffron, etc., and so many of these spices that I just mentioned are not only medicinal as well as being flavorful, many of them are nootropics. They enhance cerebral circulation, reducing neuroinflammation. Uh, many of them have active antiviral activity and anti-inflammatory activity, and the list just goes on and on. So lots of things like that. So that is my first approach. So if you want to prevent these kinds of things, these sequelae, then I'm recommending people do that. And then the other thing that I ask people to look at is, for instance, if you have a history of certain problems, if you have a history of liver issues or kidney problems, et cetera, then I would support the areas where you have a long history. If you have a history of type 2 diabetes or something, or you're a type 2 diabetic, then that means there are certain areas, that, in this case, the pancreas, uh, as well as uh, overall blood sugar regulation and the effects that diabetes has of doing things like you know elevating cortisol levels and you know, depressing immune function, et cetera, then you're going to support those things as well. And I'm going to be doing that primarily with herbs and or supplements. Wonderful. My, good, my goodness, you are a wealth of information. And we are going to be right back to continue this conversation after our break, David. Looking for an herbal company you can trust to provide the best practitioner quality herbal extracts and formulas? Herbalist and Alchemist has been crafting traditional herbal products since 1982. Founded by international known herbalist, educator, and ethobotanist David Winston, Herbalist and Alchemist is a resource for practitioners seeking high quality herbal products as well as hard to find botanicals. We're home to the unique spogeric alchemical process producing the finest full spectrum extracts manufactured from organically grown or ecologically harvest botanicals. Available through herbalist-alchemist.com and sold in finer health food stores. As the first herbal supplements company to become a certified B Corp, we put environmental, community, and employee well-being ahead of company profits. Save 15% with the sign up and save link on www.herbalist-alchemist.com. 
What if you had an easy way to reset your mind and body out of overwhelm in just a couple of minutes and every single day? Elemental resets are easy to apply, gorgeously restorative, and allow you to have emotional as well as energetic balance. Elemental Reset from Body Intuitive restores your natural healing ability from the inside out, connecting you with all of nature. The Elemental Reset course gives you six self-care survival tools to increase your healing superpowers, to energize, detox, calm, and rejuvenate yourself. This course is available today as an e-course or live online on March 14th. For more information and to register, visit us at bodyintuitive.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to the marvel of mind-body medicine. If you have questions for Dr. Janet and Dr. Laura or their guests, please email us at healing at bodyintuitive.org. That's healing at bodyintuitive.org. Now, back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. We're talking to David Winston, Master Herbalist, and he's telling us about the distinction between the different types of COVID and what you can do to support your recovery. So David, I want to go back to something that you mentioned in terms of medium COVID, this one to three month window where all of these, you know, mostly inflammatory issues are elevated. And what happens around, what happens in the body physiologically, do you think, to resolve the medium COVID? And are there any supplements that you recommend to facilitate um, that that recovery from that intermediate form? Well, with medium COVID, um, obviously the infection triggers this profound inflammatory and and immune-driven response. Um, There's also some evidence that there may be uh, viral particles uh, basically staying in the gut, which uh, also causes increased um, immune activation. Uh, this doesn't mean you still have COVID, but they, these are, are you know, uh, basically particles, parts of the virus that some people still have and it acts as sort of an antigen. So one of the things that you want to do here, well, first off, in this case, the medium COVID, assuming that you don't have something terrible happen, like early onset Alzheimer's. Um, and, and the evidence suggests these are people who would have developed Alzheimer's. It just would have been 20 years later. So, or a pulmonary embolism or a stroke. I mean, these are things that are really, in most cases, um, certainly the pulmonary embolism, the stroke and the heart attack are potentially life-threatening. So obviously the key is to prevent that. But I think what you're dealing with is, again, this acute inflammatory response, the immune activation, and that seems to sort of fade off after, again, three months is is a, based on the research, it seems like that's around the limit. But, you know, some studies suggest that could go on longer. It could be four months. It could be, and it could be very much individual, meaning one person's medium COVID could be, after a month, they're, prop, they're, they're in the clear. 
somebody else. It could be four or five months. We don't know. This is something that, you know, the term medium COVID was only coined in the last uh, three or four months that I started seeing articles talking about medium COVID. So again, what I'm doing is, you know, I'm suggesting again to people who, uh, and, and, and I, I can't say to you, oh, I have evidence that this works. I can tell you that people I've worked with have not had any major sequelae, but that's a small number of people Mm -hmm. compared to the number of people out there. There are no studies on this. So simply based on what we do know, I'm recommending people use a lot of anti-inflammatory herbs. And there are herbs that are very common herbs, including food herbs like turmeric that have profound anti-inflammatory activity or a green tea or a rosemary. Uh, these are all profound anti-inflammatories that are parts of, you know, regular diets for many people. Um, things like uh, rose hips tea, hibiscus tea. These are things that are drunk by millions of people a day um, and have, again, profound anti-inflammatory activity. So can I say, if you do this, you are safe. No, I cannot say that, nor can anyone else say that. What I can say is, I believe that, and the... the sort of there's a reasonable guess that they would be have some protective effect. Okay, so you mentioned rest, making Mm -hmm. sure that people are sleeping well. Um, You mentioned uh, basically a whole foods diet, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that we always uh, advocate also, and that these things are important um, for recovery from long COVID. You've also mentioned um, several uh, plants. Um, So you've mentioned turmeric, you've mentioned rosemary, you've mentioned hibiscus, teas, etc., If somebody is just starting out with wanting to include plant-based remedies in a COVID recovery program, what would your recommendations be for them? Well, my first recommendation would be work with a clinician. (laughs) Because the reality is, is that even though we as clinicians don't have a lot of evidence at this this point, because there's just simply not a lot of evidence out there, what we do have is a certain level of experience and we hopefully are cognizant of, you know, what can be used and how it can be used safely. So my aunt, who was one of my teachers, used to say that herbs affect people in one of three ways, food, medicine, or poison. So your food herbs, these are the ones, if people are going to self-treat, self-medicate for minor self-limiting conditions, Um, These are the ones you want to focus in on. And food herbs are not just herbs we think of as food like garlic and ginger and cinnamon, but also the mild, gentle herbs like hawthorn and blueberries, again, rosemary, green tea, lemon balm, chamomile, etc. And those are, for the most part, very safe. That doesn't mean somebody couldn't have an allergic reaction to something. There's people out there who can have an allergic reaction to anything and everything. Um, but they're generally safe, uh, and they're you know you're, it's unlikely you're going to have any adverse effects. Medicine herbs, on the other hand, the, the medicines what are, we're calling the medicine category, these are stronger acting herbs, and they need to be used with more knowledge, 
with greater understanding of how to use them appropriately. They're generally used for a specific reason for a specific period of time. And those type of herbs, I generally recommend that if you're using them, you should be under the care of a clinical herbalist. I'm a clinical herbalist or a naturopathic physician or a medical doctor who's trained in this or a nurse practitioner or acupuncturist who is trained and knows how to use these things. Um, and then the poisons, unless somebody is highly trained and knows exactly how to use them in the exact appropriate dose, should simply be left alone. So the idea here is, is that if you have mild symptoms and you want to support yourself, let's say somebody has some mild brain fog and that's it. You know, they're a year out and, you know, they just have some mild brain fog. You know, I could see drinking a cup of uh, a day every day, a cup of green tea with some hibiscus and maybe some goji berry and holy basil. And it would not only taste good, but it's very likely that it will improve overall cognitive function. It's anti-inflammatory. It has nootropic effects, enhances cerebral circulation, reduces neuroinflammation. But if you have significant problems like your previous guest, Emmy, that's not for self-treatment. So you need to find yourself a clinician who can help you on that journey and guide you. Um, there's an old expression, uh, and I'm probably going to mangle it, but it goes something like this. The person that has themselves for a doctor has a fool for a patient, something like that. <laughs> and the idea is we are not able to be objective within ourselves. And so to have somebody who is can be objective, who also has experience and hopefully a deep well and depth of knowledge is really what you want in a situation like this. And especially in a situation where we are dealing with something that is still only three years old. And it wasn't really until six months from the initial uh, COVID uh, uh, epidemic and yeah, depending on who you talk to, February, March of 2020, at least in this country, it may have been a little earlier in China, but it was about six months after those initial infections, we started hearing about people having these long-term symptoms. And for a long time, it was like, you know, they were starting to call it long COVID, but, and it was like, does it really exist? Is it a real thing? Is it just in people's heads? Well, it may be in people's heads, but that, that what's in their heads is neuroinflammation, which is not psychological. It certainly has psychological effects, but this is a very real phenomenon. So we are still very early in understanding this. And, you know, I'm very hopeful they give us, you know, another year or five, you know, we'll start seeing some research on these things and we'll start to understand what really works and what doesn't. Meanwhile, People in the trenches who are working with people are actually seeing results. And, you know, I'll tell you something with my patients, they don't care if there's no research, they care if they feel better. Mm -hmm. So if you can help people to feel better, and I guarantee you this, we're not talking about in most cases placebo, because these are people that have already tried all sorts of things. And if placebo was going to work, generally it's not herbs are going to be the thing that triggers it. Why? Because that's usually their last resort. That wasn't their go-to. They went to their general practitioner. They went here. They went there. And when there was no help and people tried, try this, try that, and it didn't work. Now we're on to something that, you know, has real therapeutic benefit. And again, the beauty of it is, is that the potential for adverse effects, if used correctly, is very, very low.
Well, you know, this is so good to hear because I think that, you know, oftentimes people find themselves at the health food store and they really want to to choose something for themselves that will help them to feel better, but they don't really know where to get started. And and so what I hear you saying is, you know, you can go to the tea aisle um, of the health food store and, you know, you can pick out, you know, a nice tea, you know, lemon balm, something with lemon balm or turmeric or a rosemary or, you know, a hibiscus. I love hibiscus tea. Um, and even drinking a cup or two of that a day is really going to help people to begin to feel better. I would hope it would have some benefit, but again, it depends on the person. It depends on the severity. It depends on a range of issues. But I think that, you know, something like that, which is very gentle and very safe, um, you know, some again, something with hibiscus or rose hips or holy basil, something like that, I think for many people is going to have some benefit. Is it going to be curative? I doubt it. Uh, I, I think, you know, you're going to see some improvement. And so what that brings me to them, and we started to talk about the le- this the last time I was on, is that when I am dealing with people with long COVID, there are about six categories of herbs that I am looking at. Now, there are multiple herbs in each of these categories, and ha- cho- which ones to choose depends on the specific symptoms the person has, the energetics, their constitution, their sort of... Uh, uh, weaknesses, the weak areas of their body. But the areas that I look at, number one, I'm using a lot of anti-inflammatories and a fairly high dose. But the good news is, take a lot of turmeric, you're you're still pretty safe. Um, so I'm using a lot of anti-inflammatories. And we talked about things like turmeric and hibiscus and goji berry and rose hips and saffron and shizandra. Don't take too much saffron. Saffron is actually toxic in overdose, so keep keep it at food levels of saffron. Um, then the second category of our, our herbs I use are what I call immunoregulatory herbs, which is a term that I coined. And these are herbs that inhibit excessive immune response, although they are not immunosuppressive. They are anti-inflammatories, and they help prevent the uh, deposition of immune complexes. So I also use these for things like autoimmune disease. And this includes a lot of herbs that people are probably not familiar with, but there are some herbs that many people might be familiar with, like cinnamon is in this category, and go to cola and sarsaparilla. Uh, Then there's a whole bunch of Chinese herbs that are in this category, Um, things like um, a Baikal skullcap, not to be confused with American skullcap, or um, red root sage, Shen. These are all immunoregulatory herbs. And again, which ones I'm going to use depends on the specifics of the person. The third category of things that I look at are what are called immune amphoterics. An amphoteric, think of something that helps to regulate function, whether it's hyperactive or hypoactive. So think of it as kind of a food uh, for a tissue or organ that helps to uh, balance out activity. And we have a whole range of immune amphoterics. So these can be used for people with hyperimmune conditions, such as allergies. It can be used for people with immune insufficiency. Uh, They can be supportive in the case of people with cancer, HIV, AIDS. They're not curative, but they are supportive. But it also can be used for things like autoimmune disease, where you have, in most cases with autoimmune disease, a prematurely aged immune system. So it's hypoactive, deficient, as well as now being uh, overactive all at the same time. And this includes a lot of well-known herbs, including Asian ginseng, American ginseng, ashwagandha, 
Shizandra, uh, Rishi uh, mushroom, uh, uh, Maitake mushroom, whole bunch of things in that category. And again, which ones I use depends on the person. Then since brain fog and neuroinflammation is a major issue, I tend to include nootropics. Again, these are herbs that enhance cerebral circulation. Uh, they improve memory, focus, concentration, and reduce neuroinflammation. And some of the herbs that we've already mentioned, like rosemary is a nootropic, and um, shizandra berry, which is a Chinese herb, uwetsu, five-flavor fruit, is a nootropic. Holy basil is a nootropic. Saffron is a nootropic. Turmeric is a nootropic. Then the next category, I uh, use herbs that basically uh, inhibit hypercoagulation. And these I'm especially using post-infection because that's when you're at the greatest risk of things like pulmonary embolism or stroke and things like that. And there are some very common foods like garlic. Now, if you cook the, you know, your garlic till it's hardly has any odor or taste anymore, that's not going to be very effective. But cooking, you know, garlic is a, you know, helps to reduce excessive coagulation. So do onions. So do uh, things like uh, fish oils, omega-3 fatty acids. And then lastly, um, I basically uh, use herbs and supplements that support endothelial function. This is the lining of the veins, capillaries, and arteries. We talked about hibiscus. We talked about goji berry. We talked about uh, things like that, uh, amla fruit, which do a blueberries, which can do a wonderful job. And so those are sort of the categories of herbs I tend to use. I don't always use all of them. It depends on the specifics of the case and the person. But these are the things that I think offer uh, a significant uh, upside um, with very little downside. All right. I think we might have time for one more very quick question before we wrap up. So how long does it take for you to see improvements? Um, well, let's say a long COVID uh, patient of yours that's had pretty serious symptoms for about a year. All right. Well, one of the things that I have found with dealing with long COVID is it is highly individualized, meaning uh, it's hard to sit there and say, oh, in general, this long, because you have one person who responds really well and in two to three months is feeling much, much better. Then you have a second person who is on this roller coaster where they feel better, they feel worse, they feel better, they feel worse. Then I have other people who it's taken nine months, 12 months, 18 months for them to really have sustained improvement. So and I will also be the first to admit I've had a few people who have not responded anywhere near as well as I would like. I mean, there's, you know, there's been some improvement, but it has been modest to say the least. Um, I would say the majority of people I've worked with, their improvement has been very positive, uh, as, as little as two to three months, as long as a year. Um, of continual treatment. It doesn't mean you don't change things. It just means they're continually, you know, uh, working on this, this process. And I think it also makes a difference as to whether when you started the treatment, meaning if you wait until somebody's had long COVID for a year, I think it's going to be more difficult than if you have somebody and you start treating them immediately after the COVID or when they first develop symptoms of long COVID. I think it is, um, what do they say? It's, uh, 
an ounce of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. <laughs> so I, I think that there's a real truth to that. And so I think that when these things get deeply established and the inflammation causes sort of subsequent tissue damage, I think it's harder and more difficult. And in some cases, in some cases, there are times when I'm afraid some of that damage may be permanent. David, thank you so much. This has been wonderfully informative for, for everyone. We all know people who've been touched by someone who has had COVID or who now has long COVID. And uh, you are a wealth of information. And we thank you so much for joining. And we'll be back after a short break. Does it feel like something is wrong, but all your tests come back normal? Does your doctor downplay your symptoms? You've tried every medication, pill, detox tea, supplement, and you're still seeing no improvements? Your body has healing superpowers. Your body intuitive practitioner can find what's wrong. A body intuitive practitioner is waiting to unlock the story behind your symptoms. Register for your first body intuitive session today at bodyintuitive.org. Book by March 1st for 50% off on your first session. Looking for an herbal company you can trust to provide the best practitioner quality herbal extracts and formulas? Herbalists and Alchemist has been crafting traditional herbal products since 1982. Founded by international known herbalist, educator, and ethobotanist David Winston, Herbalist and Alchemist is a resource for practitioners seeking high-quality herbal products as well as hard-to-find botanicals. We're home to the unique spogeric alchemical process producing the finest full-spectrum extracts manufactured from organically grown or ecologically harvested botanicals. Available through herbalist-alchemist.com and sold in finer health food stores. As the first herbal supplements company to become a certified B Corp, we put environmental, community, and employee well-being ahead of company profits. Save 15% with the sign up and save link on www.herbalist-alchemist.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to the marvel of mind-body medicine. If you have questions for Dr. Janet and Dr. Laura or their guests, please email us at healing at bodyintuitive.org. That's healing at bodyintuitive.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. So we just wrapped up with David Winston, and we learned a wealth of new information about medium and long COVID and teas and herbs and spices that we can use to support ourselves. So uh, David shared with us, if you want to find a clinical herbalist to support you, you could check out the American Herbalist website. His practice, unfortunately, is full. So um, we want to continue on with this subject of what people can do to have simple, accessible tools um, to naturally heal from anything COVID, the acute level, medium level, and long COVID. So um, we're going to now um, turn to a... Um, <clears throat> a strategy that we use in the body intuitive system. So Janet and I have developed many resets 
Okay. These are, these are very quick. Um, you can do them in about five minutes. They're self-care tools. And we've been using them for three years um, to support people with COVID and long COVID. And they are really helping. So we want to just share a little bit about what a reset is and what it does. And we're going to give you some examples of applications in long COVID. And um, first, what is a reset? It's kind of like taking a few minutes to do a short mindfulness practice. There's a lot of focus and breathing. And so it's naturally relaxing. And anything that is relaxing shifts your nervous system into what I call healing mode or parasympathetic mode. Each reset is designed with a specific type of healing action, okay? It is addressing something specific. So we just heard David talking about all the inflammation that COVID-19 causes. So there is a specific reset that lowers inflammation. Another one that addresses the depletion of energy or chi, the fatigue of COVID. And there's another reset, that, for example, that helps with detoxification. So each of the resets uses important principles from Chinese medicine. Um, people are people tap on acupoints, combos of acupoints that facilitate the, the healing. And they tap on zones of acupoints that really light up all of the energy flow in the body. And Dr. Janet has selected these, these acupoints based on her depth of knowledge in classical Chinese medicine. So Janet, um, we're getting great feedback from our clients about using the resets for Chinese medicine. And um, uh, we were going to share a little bit about the anti-inflammatory reset with them and your um, uh, how you use it with uh, COVID recovery. Great. Well, thanks so much, Laura. And the resets are amazing. And as Laura says, they're part mindfulness exercise, part kind of breathing and relaxing, part focusing on the brain-body connection and part acupoint uh, stimulating. And somehow all of these things together create a reset for the body and, and they really work um, quite well. Um, we have uh, many of them. And um, so one I wanted to focus on for today with our uh, COVID recovery is the anti-inflammatory reset. So we know that uh, we have different parts of our body that are engaged in inflammation. And we also have different parts of our body that are anti-inflammatory. One of the parts of our body that is anti-inflammatory is the vagal nerve. So there's been a lot of research here, and we know that vagal nerve stimulation actually fights and reduces inflammation in the body. And so for our anti-inflammatory reset, we engage the, the vagal nerve and the whole connection of the vagal nerve um, linking all the way kind of down, you know, it sort of runs down uh, into the interior of the body and ends up in the in the spleen. And so 
we engage the connection between the vagal nerve and the spleen, we, we call it sort of turning off the inflammation switch. And we also engage a very important anti-inflammatory acupoint. So it's kind of like a double whammy treatment where we've got the, um, the uh, inflammatory off switch in that vagal nerve spleen connection and the addition of an anti-inflammatory uh, acupoint. And then of course, as Laura mentioned, um, the tapping and, and the tapping specifically on the point as well as the, the accusones to activate the entire reset. Yeah, the anti-inflammatory reset is incredible and it also acts very quickly. Some people, even while they are they're doing the reset, they can feel pain calm down, you know, in the in the matter of minutes. I, I want to bring up one other reset that we've been using quite successfully and comes up regularly when we work with our our uh, COVID and long COVID uh, clients, and that is the detox reset. So our observation as clinicians from working with uh, COVID-19 is that this pathogen generates a lot of toxicity. The whole body is overwhelmed um, <laughs> with a virus that can enter into almost every cell in the body. Um, there's high toxicity that we find in the liver and sometimes in specific areas, including the brain. And so uh, Janet, you wanna share with our listeners um, what brain fog is from Chinese medicine uh, and, and how the detox reset supports this. Yeah, so from a Chinese medicine uh, standpoint, most brain fog is caused by what we call damp and phlegm congestion, obstructing the the meridians that circulate circulate up to uh, the brain. And so, so we know that uh, according to uh, Chinese medicine. Uh, the uh, SARS-CoV-2 pathogen is what they call a damp phlegm pathogen, meaning it generates a lot of mucus in the body. And then this mucus kind of congeals and it, and it hardens. We have to work on getting rid of this stuff. And it goes all over the place, including it goes up to the brain via the uh, meridian system. And so one of the things that we have to work with in the detoxification reset is actually uh, working with these areas of the brain to move this damp and phlegm congestion out of the brain um, in order for um, all of the different uh, you know, neurological connections to, um, to heal and to reset themselves. So I, I want to quickly move on and share, um, we were going to talk about one of the case studies um, that really matches with a lot of things that, that David was talking about earlier. Um, it was uh, a client in her 70s, um, very healthy before COVID, a medical doctor, an acupuncturist, up to date with all of her vaccinations, but in late 2020. Uh, in, in end of June uh, last year, she got COVID and she became very ill and was ill for months. Uh, a lot of digestive issues, brain fog, and um, uh, <clears throat> uh, fatigue, exhaustion, just no energy. 
And um, I'm going to turn it over to you because you talked with her recently and you've got an incredible report of how she's doing after receiving some treatments from us. Yes. And so um, this this client, as Laura said, was was really very sick for months and it caught her totally unaware because she was fully vaccinated and you know, she was uh, very, very careful about social distancing, very careful about uh, taking care of herself. And, you know, she uh, herself is a medical doctor. So um, she was shocked at how hard hit she was um, from COVID. And it went on for for many, many months. I spoke to her uh, in the fall of last year, 2022, and I, I could tell that she was having a, a lot of brain fog in addition to other severe symptoms, um, including severe digestive system distress, because um, I, she wasn't making sense. And I was thinking, you know, what what is going on here? And anyway, Laura and I did a series of sessions with her. Um, I'm not sh- exactly sure how many, I think it was maybe four or five sessions, Laura, over a period of maybe um, five to six months. And I'm happy to report that um, <laughs> I spoke with her uh, last week and sh- she was totally back. She she sounded like herself. And I said, oh my goodness, you're recovered. And she said, yep, I definitely recovered and, you know, really took, you know, half a year, but I'm feeling great now. I'm feeling uh, back to myself. I'm even going to start working again, seeing clients again, patients. And so I could tell that, you know, she really had turned um, a big corner in her recovery. And so I'm going to let Laura talk about the primary things that that we addressed uh, in her sessions. Um, So... Just getting back to um, what David was highlighting, that inflammation in the brain. That's exactly what um, uh, I observed in one of her treatments. We we uh, tune into which immune cells in the brain um, are the source of the inflammation. And we saw a big connection with her neural and cognitive activity from that inflammation. We also saw those residual um, SARS-CoV-2 viral particles in the intestines and boosted the uh, immune system to address those. In each of these cases, acupoints are used to drive this work. Um, We are going to wrap up our conversation for today, but we want to be sure that you can access some of the resources that we've been talking about um, if you're interested or know someone who might be. So David Winston is sharing the um, website uh, where you can find an, an herbalist if you would uh, like a clinical herb consultation, and that is the AmericanHerbalistGuild.com. Okay. And if you're interested in learning these resets that we've been talking about, uh, our next class is online on March 14th, and you can also get an e-course if you're not available that day. Um, At our website, bodyintuitive.org, the name of the course you're looking for is Elemental Reset, where you learn six powerful resets. So next week, we're going to be discussing natural healthcare solutions for kids and teens. And we're excited to be back to talk about that. So 
Thanks, everyone, for joining today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Marvel of Mind-Body Medicine. It's our mission to remind you that your body wants to heal. Join us again next week. Be well, and remember, your body has answers. We'd like to share a special thank you to our friends, Flying Mystics. If you enjoyed their music as much as we do, you can find them at flyingmystics.com. That's www.flyingmystics.com.